イエーイ !I can do it longer than that. It's the five tool podcast. That's right. It's the five tool podcast. Kicking it with you on a sunny Saturday in southeastern Wisconsin. April 4th, day 967 of quarantine. Feeling good? Feeling funky? Feeling fresh? We're back. Um, want to give a quick shout out to Eric Agnew from the Miller Park Minute. And we want to give a big shout out to our friend Chuck Freeman. He started a new job. This week, Killer Kyle, tell the folks about Chuck Freeman. Oh wait, 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 wait hold on yeah, first. Chuck? Hold on first, Killer Kyle, you good? I'm fine. Black Josh, I'm, you... I'm as fine as I'm gonna be. Black Josh, you good? Always. Seamus, you good? I'm living, man. Living, wow. All right, Kyle, tell the people about Chucky. L I V I N. All right, Kyle, give the, give the people a rundown about our friend Chuck Freeman quick. Chuck Freeman and Bill Smith, from, formerly from 105.7 The Fan, have uh, been in, well, were informed this week that they were um, being released from the radio station, along with um, a couple guys from 103.7 Kiss FM and a gentleman who I don't know from 99.1 The Mix. So five guys got cut from Intercom Radio or Intercom or Enterprise Radio on Thursday, I believe it was. Yeah, I think it was Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday. Um, you know, Bill Schmidt. I'm. I, I never. I've never been a real fan of his. I kind of find him annoying. But from what I'm hearing around the sports world in Milwaukee, is that he's highly respected, very knowledgeable, and a hard worker. I know he was doing the Bucks post game. And he had an afternoon show, and the guy worked, like, insane hours. Um, so that's really sad. And But Chuck Freeman um, had been with the fan uh, since 2009. He's just, he's a wealth of, his brain holds a wealth of uh, Wisconsin history when it comes to sports. And I really enjoyed listening to him. Um, on my way to work in the mornings and while I was at work and it's going to be weird uh, tuning in without Chuck. So, you know, shout out to them. But Chuck got a job like an hour later after getting fired. So, that kind of shows his worth. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. I don't know how they made the choices they did in terms of who to get rid of, like why you would split up your morning show. I mean, I'm sure those guys have decent contracts, the two of them, but like, why would you split up your very successful morning show? I mean, I feel like you could cut lower level, but maybe they didn't want to cut lower level. Maybe they drew it out of a hat. Who knows? But, I mean, I mean, they made it sound like it was definitely a financial thing that they had to make these cuts. Or, they, so they say, you know, you know how these companies are. But, yeah, good news that Chuck Freeman got a job. What's the station he got the job with? Uh, 97.3 The Game. I I don't listen to it, so I don't. It's an F, It's a strictly FM station. Um, I know Dan Needles is over there. That's right, he is. Yeah. And uh, Ted Davis does 
a show with him, I think, and Ted Davis, the voice of the Bucks on AM radio. Um, I think they're affiliated with 620 WTMJ, but I'm not sure. I don't know much about them. And to be honest, I probably won't still listen to it. Yeah, that, that's, the, uh, that's the only sports talk in the area I don't listen to. Isn't I, Like, I always forget about it. Yeah, they're they're very forgettable. I mean, the <laughs> 105.7 The Fan has been around forever, and I I love that radio station. Yeah, and I listen to 94.5 or 540 AM, too. I listen to, to both of those stations. I bounce back and forth. I'm more of a fan ESPN. fan. ESPN. Yeah. yeah, I like the ESPN radio, but they've been playing a lot of... I don't really like their local programming as much as I like 105.7 FM The Fan, but moving on, I'm going to get a quick rundown on everybody's holding up and what they're doing to... Spe- uh, to you know, bide their time through this. Uh, Black Josh, starting with you, what have you been up to, man? Shooting guns. Bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much either shooting guns or shooting bows, and that's pretty much it. Well, good to know you're keeping busy getting outdoors. I, I mean, I recommend a lot of people go go shoot your guns, go shoot your bows, get outside. It's been nice, so we got spring on the way. Uh, Seamus, what have you been up to while you've been spending your time? Because when I'm home, um, been doing a lot of the. My youngest boy and I have started a Marvel marathon, and with we put that on pause with the new Star Wars coming out this past week, and doing a Star Wars marathon, watching episodes one all the way through nine. Nice. Me, I've. I'm still in sports mode. I've watched five baseball games since since what would have been opening day. I've watched the 2001 World Series Game 7. I watched the 2004 ALCS Game 7. I've watched just various games. I'm just going through like the, the history books basically right now. The one I'm watching right now is 97 World Series Indians-Marlins Game 7 where Craig Council had the, the greatest pop fly in, yes. in, in the history of baseball. And I love that. That's so, I love Craig Council. He has a way of being in the right place at the right time in history. I mean, he was on base for the walk-off in 01, and he hit the most important sack fly of all time in the ninth inning of that 97 World Series. So I'm just going through a lot of the great classics right now. Stacked Marlins team that year. Yeah, I mean, but the but the Indians were really stacked. They had Jim Tomey batting seventh in that lineup. In Game 7. Jim Tony. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane, man. I love 90s baseball. That's good stuff. But, uh, Killa Kyle, tell us. It sounds like you are having some symptoms. What's going on, bud? It's been a rough week. Um, Wednesday night, we had a scare with my kid. He developed this, like, infectious rash, and I was at Children's Hospital till like, 10.30 that night, and... I was home with, I've, I've had him with me ever since. I took off work, and then this morning, fuck, man. It was like a train hit me. I woke up with a pounding headache. I had trouble breathing last night, and I didn't really think anything of it because I wasn't feverish or anything, but I went, uh, I went into my kitchen to turn on my coffee pot this morning, and I just felt chills all the way into my bones and that prompted me to check my temperature and the first time I did it was at 106 and now and then I I'm sorry then I checked it again because I couldn't believe it and it was at 104 that's still really high and I just felt like shit all day 
and I've been talking to online doctors, and I got all the symptoms of fucking COVID, so I'm, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not saying I got it, I don't know, um, and I don't know how the hell I'll get it, get my hands on a test, um, but all I know is that I have been running a low-grade fever today, and it's time to quarantine, boys. I gotta, I gotta stop going to work. Yeah, it I, sounds, uh, sounds like you gotta. Plain and simple. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you get better. We're all praying for you here at the Five Tool, and I know the fans out there are as well. But uh, gives you more time to work on the show. We love it. <laughs> I mean, we don't love it, but. Yeah, I'll be home now. <laughs> uh, I just got Disney Plus. <laughs> so I got all these different like streaming apps that I can watch content. WrestleMania is this weekend. I'm gonna check that out. It's free. I would never pay for it. No. But that starts in like an hour ish. So you know, I got two nights of WrestleMania. That's cool. You know what I, I heard? You know what I heard about WrestleMania is that uh, a lot of these matches—I mean, they 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 pre-film most of these matches, and they filmed both outcomes. Yes, and that's why I want to watch it because it's so different than any other WrestleMania. Obviously, there's no fans in the crowd. I was just watching replays of last year's WrestleMania. They were at New York at the MetLife Stadium. There's over eighty thousand people. The the pyrotechnics were off the chain. The visuals were just off the chain. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to pull this off. Because WrestleMania is like the Super Bowl for WWE. And without fans and doing it pre-recorded and, like you said, like pre-recording multiple outcomes, it's sketchy to me. So I, I'm, ju- I'm just tuning in. Straight out of curiosity and the fact that I got a subscription for free today, like I said, I never pay for this. I would never give Vince McMahon money. But because it's free, I got to check it out and see how it's going to turn out. Yeah, the last thing Vince McMahon needs is more money because then he'll start an XFL. You know, that'll keep that crap going. And nobody wants that. XFL is still live, by the way. And it's on life support. It's coming back 2021. No P.J. Walker, no problem. <laughs> All right, Boys, P.J. Walker's going to give Teddy Bridgewater a run for his money in Carolina. Carolina's a dumpster fire, man. I, I feel so bad for they, that team. They still got CMC. They got weapons over there. I mean, it's who's going to hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey is basically what they're vying for right now. Yeah. Oh, by the way, boys, Kobe Bryant, official. It's official today. He is a Hall of Famer. All right. And there's a couple other ones, too, that were pretty big, right? Uh, Kevin Garnett and uh, Tim Duncan as well. Cla- legends. Legends. Kobe headlined this class. This is going to be an iconic class for the Hall of Fame. That is an iconic class for sure. Um, but let's get talking about baseball, people. So, and the MLB has stolen my idea. I'm not sure if everyone's heard about this, but um, basically what they're talking about now, because this changes every day what the MLB may look like, and actually as an added note, Donald Trump met uh, in a phone conference with 12 major sports leagues today, 
I think that includes college sports, and they discuss different possibilities of what to do. All the details of that have not come out, other than that the NFL should. Sounds like the NFL will, you know, go forward as scheduled. But so right now, the Major League Baseball is considering starting the season at spring training sites in either Florida or Arizona without fans in attendance. Um, Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic says that the chances of playing games at home ballparks this summer are becoming increasingly remote. He also says that this plan would be extremely complex and controversial. And the reason this would be so complex, it's not as easy as it might seem the way I, I know I put it in the past. You know, you, you have everybody at the ballpark, nobody goes in, nobody comes out, you play the games as scheduled, you just go for it, and you know, you, you run tests along the way. But so the league would have to develop a testing system to ensure everyone coming in wasn't sick when they arrive. And they'd have to also pull this whole thing off without diverting healthcare workers or resources from the local communities because you can't, you can't have baseball games being played and, and put other people at risk because you're trying to play baseball games. Um, I want to get everybody's thoughts on this. Can, can the MLB actually pull this off, doing the ball games at the spring training sites? I'm going to start with you, Black Josh. What do you think? They should have been doing that from the fucking beginning. Yeah, I... If, you, if you're going to tell me that wrestling can fucking do their shit without fans, that we can't, that's fucked. I'm sorry. Wrestling is way more dependent on their fans being in the stands than we are. That's as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned. That's actually a good point. I didn't really think about it that way. Um, one thing about wrestling is there's there's been speculation that possibly wrestling has been actually violating... The terms of the, the, you know, the no congregating order, and that they're doing yeah. this under the table and putting people's health yeah. at risk. I, I heard a report something about like the Miz was mad because the Usos, somebody was showing symptoms in there, and somebody was mad about it. And so the the WWE may be putting people at risk right now, and they may be subject to getting in trouble. But that is a good point, Josh. That if if it's being pulled off in the UFC, my, I mean, it was once, and it's kind of being pulled off. It's, with wrestling, I think the main concern, though, is you can't you can't divert resources from the community and bring them just to baseball because that would set a precedent that you know Major League Baseball cares more about the game than people in the community. Seamus, I want to know what you think. Is this possible? Can they pull this off? I I'm gonna echo Josh on this. Black Josh on this one. Um, they could have taken all of the fans out of all the spring training sites, kept all the guys there. And they could have been doing this from the jump. Yeah. You know, they could have, they could have been doing this, and we could have baseball right now. Hearing this, hearing them talk about this and saying, well, we're thinking we're going to start it by holding them at the spring training locations, knowing that they had that option back when the whole thing came down. I mean... Granted, yeah, you're looking at hindsight being 2020 in that, you know, we've got a better handle on preparation and testing and everything now than we did a month or so ago. It's still frustrating to know that that's where they're at now and that's what we could have been doing then. Well, there's also like the ban on, you know, non-essential businesses in, in these different states. So, I mean, if Arizona or Florida has this ban... They can't even do that right now. They wouldn't be able to play right now with that ban. It just well, Florida like, is shut down. So if yeah. you don't have a Florida, if you don't have a Florida license or plate, 
they're turning you away at the state line. Right, and I don't know what Arizona's rules are right now, but I mean, they probably can't be doing it there either. If it's just if it's, I mean, there's no way Major League Baseball is going to be considered an essential business right now. This this isn't Truman in World War Two or whatever. Were they or was that Woodruff, Woodrow Wilson? One of them said that you know baseball keeps going during the war because you know it's national pastime. But we're not in that state right now. I think they could pull it off. I, I I think I think you guys are are right to a degree. I think they can pull it off as long as you know they they're abiding by state laws as long as they're using, you know, MLB medical personnel, you know, ones that are designated like trainers and as long as they're trained properly to get these people tested and and to ensure that nobody has it when they arrive cuz I mean theoretically if nobody has it when you arrive, you can play these games. No one's going to get it. And then, and then, yeah, you just keep everybody from coming in and going out. Kilikai, what do you think about this? Can they pull it off? Yeah, they can pull it off. Um, I, I actually agree with Josh. Like they, they could have, they could have done this a while ago. They could have moved the date up sooner. Um, and yeah, if I mean. WWE and AEW can keep recording live shows without an audience. You know, I don't. I don't see why baseball couldn't. Because you really don't need. You don't need a ton of fans. I and mean, we were talking about this last week. You don't need a ton of fans for a baseball game because it's so. Um, the, the the pace of the game is so different than any of the other sports. And you look at. Hockey, NASCAR, um, basketball, football, all those sports move. Soccer, they, they all move at a really fast pace. And, and it is crowd-driven in a lot of ways. Um, but with baseball, it's a very lax pace. There's a lot of break in between action. Um, you can walk away and take a jump. And come back and you miss two pitches, you know, there's a lot, I think there's a lot more flexibility with baseball in comparison to all the other sports, so, I mean, I hope they figure something out because um, we're hurting without baseball, just like we are without basketball and hockey, and we need, we need some results. Yeah, definitely. And like we've said in the past, like this is an opportunity for baseball to like come back and become America's pastime again when everything else is shut down. You have this huge opportunity where you can become America's sweetheart again. You can be that sport that everyone rallies around and I guarantee you right now people are dying for live sports. Like they're just they're dying for it. They don't care if it's baseball. They wouldn't care if it was golf right now. I'd probably watch golf right now. I'm not going to lie. Like I would probably watch, I'd probably watch a pro golf tournament right now if it was going on. People are fucking watching NBA players play NBA 2K right now. Like, yeah, that's unbelievable. They're having video game tournaments. <laughs> like, and people are watching this crap. Just because they're so glad I got an Xbox a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, people are thriving for to watch competition. Like. They want to yeah, watch, for sure. They want to watch that competitive thing. That's what America's based on is competition and the free market and and moving forward and competing with others to to you know to gain to gain out of it. And that's that's we love that's why we love sports so much here. Um, speaking of keeping it on baseball for a little bit, 
The Astros. I know we talk about them just about every show, but we've given you a little break on that. But it came out just, I believe it was Friday, that A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luna will both get credit for serving suspensions of one year, even if the season is shortened or canceled. Is this fair? Is this? I realize that the the like the players, the players are different. Like the players typically get you know a game amount of suspension. So now they get these guys get suspended for one year, and if there's no season at all, they can come back and manage again next year. And then poor Dusty Baker could lose his job in Houston, and they could they could bring back AJ Hinch. So I want to get everybody's thoughts. Is this fair? Is this the right way to go about it? They're not really serving a punishment because we're all punished right now by not having baseball, and these guys. Are, are, are going to have no punishment whatsoever if there's no season. What do you think, Josh? Uh, what was the question? Is this, fair that, <laughs> is this fair that A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau are both going to get credit for serving a suspension even if there's no season this year? Fuck, no, that's not fair. That's bullshit and a half. After what they fucking did, they shouldn't even be allowed to come back, period. But here we fucking are talking about fucking... Them serving a suspension, but not really serving a suspension, so that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, I I think I'm with you on this one. Uh, Seamus, what do you think? Well, I I view it the same way that any player serving a PED suspension. You know, we talked about that, and I I brought up the Hinch and Luno thing when we talked about players being able to you know, get this year off, you know, however long this takes is credit for their PED suspension. Um, And if you guys recall, I didn't think that that was right. Just like I don't think it's right that this year counts towards somebody's year of eligibility. If they're going to pause the season, everything goes on hold. And time of service doesn't apply Suspension shouldn't apply. It shouldn't apply until there's games being played. Agreed. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, well, at least on the respect of Hinch and Luna, the the PED one. Yeah, I, I guess I'm with you on that too. If you've done the PEDs, you still should have to do the time. Um, it's, it's not like people should be you know let out of jail just because there's something going on right now. Um, should, so, do you think it would have been better if Rob Manfred would have punished them with a 162 game suspension? rather than punishing them in a, a random timetable at a year. Would that have been a better way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, Killer Kyle, you got any thoughts on this one? I, I just don't know. It's so hard to comment on because we've, you know, never really, never really faced this situation before in any of the sports, you know, so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to criticize and it's hard to react to what these guys are doing because they don't know what they're doing, you know, this, this is not something that was expected and it's not a situation that anybody planned for, so everybody's shooting at the hip. and that's why we're getting the delays, that's why people are scrambling for ideas. I mean, that's what it is. You know, these baseball's got a, a crew of minds, and they're they're constantly pitching ideas to Rob Manfred, probably, and trying to to 
best and what's going to work because it's so complicated and there's so many layers to this and there's so many people affected. Um, but yeah, back to the to the point of the suspensions. I I just don't know. I don't know if it's fair or not. It's tough. You know, like you said, Rob, we're all punished. We're, yeah. we're all without baseball. Um, I just don't have an answer for that. I don't know. Yeah, I just I just think it's like when this is all said and done, it's like almost so the the sign stealing scandal happened and then it was COVID and now it's it just seems like everything's getting brushed under the rug. This is simply for the Astros just turned into five million dollars and no draft picks, but it doesn't sound like you know teams are going to have the same. There's not going to be the same kind of draft anyway, so it's really like they got fined for five million dollars. And that's it. So I think they're kind of getting off yeah. scot free on on a very you know game changing kind of scandal that they were a part of. That... What a time! What a time to slam trash bucket! Like they hit the jackpot. <laughs> they did. Timing to do all this. They did. Like they really they, did. It's it's crazy. Like because now nobody's talking about the Astros anymore, and it's just being swept under the rug. Except Five Tool Podcast, we're talking about the Astros because fuck them. We don't forget. We d- Ryan Braun. Yeah, an elephant never forgets, and we're a goddamn elephant here. Um, speaking one more thing just about the, uh, the the scandal, I want to give a quick update on something that Seamus and I discussed on Wednesday night. This was a really interesting story to me. So there was these guys who were, who were part of um, DraftKings, and they were trying to, they're trying to sue the MLB because the Astros and Red Sox, you know, changed the the events of these games, so they were trying to sue the MLB and the Red Sox and Astros because they cheated, so that means these guys might have lost games and money in DraftKings because of this. Well, just as Seamus suspected, um, a federal, ju- <laughs> federal judge, Jed Ruckoff, dismissed the lawsuit, saying the connection between the alleged harm caused and conduct is too, and this is, this is legal jargon, attenated. <laughs> and I, did, I had to look up that word. Essentially, it means the judge decided that the science stealing had very little effect or was too much gray area to determine whether or not these guys lost money as a re- direct result of the cheating scandal. So it's been thrown out. These guys aren't going to get shit. Um, they probably lost money in the long run on top of that, on top of the, fat, the money they lost in the gambling. So, well, a loss for the little guy, another win for the Astros and Red Sox, even though... There's no baseball right now. One more topic I want to get to before the big stuff today is Giannis doesn't have a basketball hoop. Our MVP, Giannis, does not have a basketball hoop, and he doesn't have access to one. He's not playing basketball right now. Chris Middleton also has no access to a basketball hoop, and he really needs the work, but his neighbor does have one in the driveway, and he's able to go over there and shoot. But what do you guys think about this? Our MVP on the the best team in basketball... Poised to go for a championship. Season's probably going to get canceled. and But if it does start up, you want your players to be fresh and Giannis doesn't have a hoop. Is this going to affect him? Kyle, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know the, the seriousness of this. Like, I don't know if this is valid because I've heard different versions of this. I also heard he, he, has, he does have access to a hoop. But it's Giannis. He'll be fine. I mean, does he really need to keep? Does he really need a hoop to come back and be a baller? I don't. He can still be a baller, but to shoot threes, man, like he just started to get really good at shooting the three, the long ball, and it's like. 
Yeah, but he's learning the guitar, and from what I've seen on TikTok, he's doing pretty good. Didn't I look mean, like it to me. Great progress. Didn't look like it to he's me. Starting to get some, starting to get some traction on that. You know what, Giannis? Call hey. me up. I'll teach you how to play the damn guitar. You're, you're. He's got big hands. He needs a bigger neck. He should be playing an acoustic, anyways. Um, does anybody, anybody else have any? He needs to just make another baby. <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> He, probably, he seems like a very good dad. I want to get everyone else's thoughts. Do you think this is going to affect Giannis? Seamus, what do you think? Um, I don't think so. I mean, natural ability is natural ability. I mean, it may take him a little bit, a little bit longer to you know sharpen up, but his skill set is his skill set. That's always going to be there. Yeah, he's still going to be a good defender. He's still going to be able to take it to the hole because just his physical attributes and his, his strength and all that, I mean, he's not going to lose that. He's just got to work, you know, take some shots, you know, spend some time in the gym once once he's able to get to a hoop, and I don't think it'll affect him too much. He's too good to to just get worse over this. Hopefully he's working out. I guess the team, I mean, Chris Middleton said the team provided him with resistance bands and weights, and they're able to do all the working out stuff. It's just... It's hard to have access to a hoop when you didn't know this was going to happen and you don't have room or whatever in your apartment. So, with that, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do numbers two and number one on Butcher's Greatest Brewers of All Time. Josh, you got your gun ready? Yep. All right. So, this, took, <laughs> this was not easy for me to decide between two and one here. It took a lot of thinking and a lot of hard work compiling this list. Uh, four, three, two, and one were the toughest ones for me, but obviously two and one are going to be the hardest. I'm sure everybody knows who the two, these two guys are. So, with that being said, here's the quiz. This player, for number two, was a seven-time All-Star. He uh, is a four-time Silver Slugger. Um... He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, 15 years with the Brewers, 303 career average with the Brewers. Four Igniter. <laughs> yep, Wally boy. That's <laughs> too easy, right? <laughs> yeah. This was so hard for me, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it the way I normally do all this stuff, the attributes quick, and we'll go from there. Yes, he was a five-time All-Star with Milwaukee, seven-time All-Star career. He had a 75.7 career war. That's just fucking amazing. Four-time Silver Slugger, twice with the Brewers. That was 87 and 88. First ballot Hall of Famer. He spent 15 years with the crew. 303 average, 367 on base, 444 slugging, 811 OPS. This is all with the crew. 412 stolen bases, 1,275 runs scored, 2,281 hits with the Brewers. 405 doubles, 160 dingers, and 790 RBIs with the Brewers. In 82, he led the league in runs with 136. In 87, he led the league with runs at 114 and 41 doubles. In 91 with the Brewers, he had 133 runs scored, 216 hits, and 13, 13 triples in 91. That's crazy. He batted over, 100, over 300 eight times with the Brewers. In 1987, he batted 353. That's the best yeah, in Brewers. Yeah. That's the best in Brewers history. He's tenth in all-time hits. He leads the Brewers in stolen bases all-time. He batted three fifty-five in the eighty-two World Series. 
So he's not the reason they lost. In Game 1 of the 82 World Series, this is the best stat of all. In Game 1 of the 82 World Series, he had five hits. That is still a World Series record. In Game 1 of 82, he went five for six. That's a World Series record. And of course, in 1987, he had a 39-game hit streak. The fifth longest of anyone ever. Rick Manning hit a game-ender on August 26 and 87 while Molitor was on deck. He could have had 40. He could have kept that streak going. The reason I had such a hard time with this is because if you look at Molitor's career numbers, they're better than any brewer of all time. I mean, in terms of his career numbers compiled with the time he spent in Toronto and Minnesota. He's the, other than Hank Aaron, of course, he's the best person to ever put on a brewer's uniform, by far. After Milwaukee, he had 225 hits at 40 years old. At 40 years old, he had 225 hits with the Twins. He was the World Series MVP uh, with the, with the uh, Blue Jays. He batted 500 in that World Series. He had two Silver Sluggers after Milwaukee, two All-Star games. He won Manager of the Year. And the Brewers offered him only $900,000 to stay. This is Paul Molitor, the igniter. They didn't want him. So if anyone blames Paul Molitor for not being a brewer and continuing his career with Milwaukee, they're wrong because they offered him jack shit because he ended up signing with Toronto for $13 million. Paul Molitor, my number two greatest brewer of all time. What do you guys think? Two things. Seeing him in a Blue Jays uniform was like seeing Brett Favre in a Jets uniform. It was very similar, because I remember when he left, and I was a little kid, and I was heartbroken in a lot of ways, because he just did not look right in a Blue Jays uniform. Um, and the second thing, the, the, i got to argue the point in why you said it was so hard for you to pick, because the stats were, you know, I heard what you said about him by far being the best brewer. The only difference between him and who's going to be your number one is the guy who's number one on your list is the face. He is what Yelich is now to the Brewers. And there's that, that's just your number one is when you think of Brewers baseball, this is who you think about. And you think about him more so than the igniter. And I hate to say that because Paul Molitor was fantastic. One of my favorites growing up. Molly was a better. He is not. He he is. You you did it right by putting him number two. All right, I like that. Thank you because this one was tough. Black Josh, your thoughts? Are you going to shoot me? I'm good. Oh God! Thank God. <laughs> I'm sweating bullets here. Seamus, your thoughts? Number two, the igniter. You and, I, you and I have had our Yount Molitor talk. Um, what? And I think... That, who you, said that was number one? I'm kidding. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> way, to, way to destroy the suspense. Oh, like nobody knew. Come on. <laughs> but no, seriously. Oh, now you want to shut up. But oh. no, um, and we've, we've had that talk. Yeah. And we both agreed that if Molly would have stayed a brewer, it, it could very easily flip your one and two. Yeah, for sure. If Molitor would have finished with the Brewers, his numbers would be better. 
if he would have put up all those numbers and won a World Series, of course. I mean, that's that's the thing. They wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gotten his World Series in Milwaukee. I mean, they basically tanked after 87. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. There's reasons. Paul Molitor is an all-time better player than Robin Yount, in my respect. But... Robin Yount's numbers don't lie, and of course, he is number one on Butcher's Greatest Brewers of All Time list. Um, he had 3,142 hits in his 20 years with the Brewers. He had 251 home runs. He only batted 285, which is part of the problem I had with this. He had 1,406 RBIs, which was is the most... For a brewer of all time, he was a three-time All-Star in 80, 82, and 83. He was a two-time MVP, which Molitor didn't have that in 82 and 83. Gold Glove in 82, Molitor never got a gold glove, and he was a three-time Silver Slugger, 80, 82, and 89. First ballot Hall of Famer. He led the AL in, in doubles in 1980 with 49. He led the AL in hits in 82 with 210 with 46 doubles. And in 83... He had 10 triples. He led the league. He batted over 306 times in his 20-year career. He had a career OPS. Get this. Robin Yount had a career OPS of 772. That was the most striking stat of all this. He had a 77.3 war, but he had the below the 800 line for OPS. And I think that's because he had quite a few years of mediocrity in there. And he, he didn't... He wasn't a like a legend. He had a shitload of hits, but that's because of the longevity, I think. And he played every game. He didn't miss any significant time, but he did have a lot of droughts in his career. But he leads the Brewers in so many stats, and this was the deciding factor for me. If you're going to go greatest Brewer of all time, the guy who's leading in every stat, I mean, is probably the best Brewer of all time. So he leads in WAR, seventy-seven point three, offensive WAR at eighty-three point one. He played the most games at 2,856, scored the most runs at 1,632. He has the most hits as a Brewer with 3,142. He's 20th on the all-time list, whereas Paul Molitor's 10th. Um, He had total bases of 4,730, 583 doubles, 126 triples, 1,406 in RBIs. Braun is second with 1,128. It doesn't seem like Braun's going to catch up to Molly, I mean to Yount. Um, uh, walks, he leads the Brewers in at 966. Uh, this is a, st- this is a funny stat. Uh, Robin Young is the strikeout leader for the Brewers. He has three, uh, 1,350. Braun is right on his heels. Braun will break this record. Braun has 1,336. That's only 24 less than Robin Young. So Braun will break that strikeout record for the Brewers. Um, Robin Yount has the most singles at 2,182 and 960 base extra base hits in his career. Robin Yount, number one greatest Brewer of all time. He leads in every pretty much every offensive category other than home runs, including strikeouts. So that there you have it. It, it was tough for me because personally, my favorite Brewer of all time is Paul Molitor. I mean, he is the best to ever suit up as a Brewer because, I mean, Hank Aaron didn't spend a lot of time in, as a Brewer. In Milwaukee, he he broke all these records as a Brewer in Milwaukee, but it was at the end of his career. So I mean, you got to give it to Robin Yount, greatest Brewer of all time. What do you guys think? Any thoughts on Yount? Ah, uh, he's the man. I mean, the kid. Any any shred of success that the Brewers had in the early years, 
uh, Robin Yount led the way, you know. He, uh, he, multiple positions at that. I mean, he was so versatile. He had such a great swing, um, great defender. I mean, he was, he was so good. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's an immortal in my mind. I, I remember, you know, as a kid, every time you hear his name or see him on TV, you just get chills. You're like, you know, that's, that's who a lot of us grew up with. You know, so the those guys, the Younts, the Molitors, the Gantners, um, you know, in my mind will always have a special place in my heart, and I'm sure your guys' hearts, because that's that's how we grew up to become Brewer fans, is because of those guys. Definitely, and nobody embodies the that Brewers, you know, of the '80s and and '70s like Robin Young. He is the look of the Brewers, the mustache, the burly kind of man, like. Not, you know, not a clean-shaven kind of guy. You know, just a, a gritty fucking, you know, guy who drinks beer. You know, he rides a fucking motor. He rides a Harley around County Stadium. He rides a dirt bike, too. Like, he is what the Brewers were for, you know, 20-plus years. Uh, Black Josh, any thoughts on Yelp? Bullshit. I'm totally okay with him being number one. Totally agree. Thank God. I didn't get shot through all ten. And the honorable mentions... Black Josh did not shoot me. He's a gangster. He scares the shit out of me sometimes. But I'm so thankful we made it through this list without me being bloodstained on the carpet and lined out in chalk. Seamus, any thoughts? Any more thoughts on Robin Young? No, I, I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, a little, uh, little, little tidbit. You know, maybe a lesser-known fact about Robin Young. You know, back in the '80s. And and really on the Brewers, you know, all of those guys. It was it was nothing to see all of those guys with a with a cheek full of chalk. Uh, Robin Yount was a little bit different than the rest of the guys on his team because he would his cheek full was always a combination of bubble gum and tobacco. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm not sure if it. I don't. I don't know if the reason was because it added to the spit factor, or some guys swallow their spit and the bubble gum made it more tolerable. I don't know. You need a good spit. You, need you a good know spit. that that was Robin had a bubble gum chewing tobacco cocktail, and that was that was what he took the field with. A little hubba bubba and some grizzly. How about that? Okay. At that point, I'm I'm pretty much sure it was the leaf tobacco in the pouches. Go nice. Ahead. The red man. Because that was that was how we got red the big leaf chew oh. in the pouch. <laughs> the red man. An Indian chew. <laughs> Perfect. Yuck. So, so just a quick recap of that list, and I'll post it online today just to give everyone's thoughts online. Ten Vukovic, nine Jenkins, eight Sheets, seven Fielder, six Fingers, five Yelich. Four Braun, I mean four Cooper, three Braun, two Molitor, one Yount. I've changed that list a bunch of times because that's not how I have it written down, but that is the list. And to continue our segment that we've been doing on the last couple shows, now we are going to do Get to Know Your Tool. This time our featured guest on the sh- on this segment of the program is Killer Kyle. And we've kept it very baseball related with the first two guys with Eric and Seamus, but Kyle, because I know that you have a, you have a very broad 
you know, spectrum of sports that, that you like. I'm not going to just focus it on baseball because I know you, you've you been in and out of baseball fandom in your life. So I'm going to do a little different format than I've done on the rest of the guys. So, number one, what made you fall in love with sports? Um, I was born a Wisconsin sports fan. Um, I was born on a Monday night football game. And from what, I can't remember who the teams were, but it was an overtime game. I was born at 10.05 in the evening. And um, there were doctors that were um, checking out this overtime Monday night game while I was my mom was giving labor to me. Well, so, what's your birthday? I want to look um, up what game it was. Yeah, December 9th, 1985. All right. I want to say the Redskins were involved, but I'm not sure. I want to say it's the Redskins-Bears. I can't. I, I honestly don't remember, but I got... You know, from the second I was born, I got a sports story tied into my life. Um, my dad, rest his soul, was a huge Brewer fan and Packer fan. Uh, my dad in the 80s and 90s went to 35 Brewer games a year, so I'm very familiar with County Stadium. My dad took me all the time. Um, and my dad always took me to Lambeau Field in the summer for Packers training camp. That was an annual thing. So, like, as a as a young pup, all the way to now, I've just been, you know, sports, Wisconsin sports. I I bleed it, you know, and I, I love uh, I love the Brewers. I love the Packers. I love the Bucks. I love the Badgers. I love the Golden Eagles, you know. I didn't play much as a kid. I played in rec, rec leagues, um, never in school. Um, but I had other things going on in school with the musical side. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I love Wisconsin sports. I always will. All right, so just a rundown on uh, on that game that they were watching. It was Rams Niners, and oh, I wasn't even close. Both good teams that year. Uh, it was twenty seven twenty. The Rams won, and Joe Montana that evening went twenty six for thirty six for three hundred twenty eight yards and three touchdown passes, two picks, four sacks with a quarterback rating of one hundred four point nine. Can anybody guess the Rams quarterback from that game? Uh, 1985. Oh. It's not Joe Namath, is it? There's a fella named Dieter Brock. Mm. Ew. <laughs> and uh, Jerry Rice put up 241 yards in that game. <laughs> oh, good God. He was the fucking goat. <laughs> Alright, anyways, on with the question. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Um, what... Um, you, you mentioned you didn't play a lot of ball when you were young. Who is your favorite uh, sports figure growing up? Brett Favre. That's that's easy. It was Brett Favre. I was uh, I idolized Brett Favre. I was a little too young for the the Molitor and Yountes. I do remember them clearly, um, but by the time I was at the age where I could really start paying attention, that was around like 1995, and that's when the Packers were just starting to become great again. Um, so, yeah, I went to a ton of... I used to go to sports card shows. I, I collected football cards. I had over 250 Brett Favre cards at one Holy point. Holy shit. 
Uh, yeah, my dad used to take me to all these sports card shows in Milwaukee at Serb Hall and all these churches and stuff, and I would just collect. I, I was all about Brett Favre cards. I had a ton of rookie cards. I sold them all, of course, at, when I was, like, 19. But, yeah, Brett Favre was was the guy. He was the guy. I wanted to be like Brett Favre. What was the first... Um, yeah, me too. Brett Favre, he's the reason I, I started liking sports. Between him and the Brewers, it was more. It was even more so Brett Favre. Like he's the guy that made me fall in love with watching sports on TV and watching competition on TV. So I'm with you there. Um, what uh, what what was the first like sporting event that you attended? Like major sporting event that you attended that you can remember? It was a Brewers game. I can't remember what year, but my I the first major sporting event I went to was. Uh, a game at County Stadium. Um, I remember going to a lot of games when Miller Park was built. So, like, it was fun watching Miller Park go up. I was, like, 15, 16. Um, so I did a lot of that. Um, I went to my first Packer game when I was, uh, like, 8 or 9 uh, in the early 90s. There was a preseason game. I went to a lot of Admiral games in there at the Bradley Center. Um, the biggest game, I, the biggest professional professional sporting event I've been to was in 2003. It was the last game in the uh, first round of the playoffs for the Bucks. They played the Nets. Um, it was the, they lost that game. They lost the series. It was Sam Cassell's last game as a Buck. It was Gary Payton's last game as a Buck. And it was George Carl's last game as the Bucks coach. Um, that was uh, that was a rough time for Bucks fans because it didn't get any better anytime soon. No, it didn't. But that was a that was a you know a good team. George when George Carl was coaching, they were always competitive. It seemed. And yeah, you mentioned Gary Absolutely. Payne, Sam Cassell. Yeah, that was it. Was an era. It wasn't one that ended in like you know big fruition or anything but it was a hell of an era and just your point about miller park being built going to the games at county stadium i went to a bunch at that time and dude it was so cool every time you go to a game you'd see the progress that they made on the new park and you'd look at it and you would dream of what it would be like to be inside of it you know like wow this is you know it was so state-of-the-art to us at the time it was such a special thing to watch it go up in in right field you know right behind this right in front of the stadium it was so cool um, I do have to add, I was also at the last uh, home game of the 2018 uh, regular season for the Brewers. Um, the game, it was game 162, I believe. Yeah. Um, right before they went to, yeah, it was a blowout. They played the Pirates. It was like 11-1. Right, um, right before we sent the boys off for the postseason. That's really special. Right. I was at data with my old boss. Um, got a little rowdy. That was fun. That was electric. Even though they blew him out that game, that was still the whole experience. We just went on a whim and got some tickets, and it was a packed house, of course. And yeah, well, yeah, that's a special year. Twenty eighteen will will be one I always remember, and I'm sure we all at Five Tool will remember the twenty eighteen season very well. For sure. And yeah, when Miller Park is rocking, that place is as electric as any, you know, sporting stadium in, in all of major sports. Like, when that place is rocking, it's fucking rocking. And that had to have a lot of energy setting the boys off to, you know, go to war. In the I have not been to Pfizer Forum yet, 
and that's killing me. I got to get out there. You um, will, you will. It's that, that, that's state of the art. I need to get to a Bucks playoff game this year, and hopefully it's at Pfizer. Hopefully they'll have this figured out because I'm going this year. Because if this season starts, the Bucks are winning the finals. You can book it in my mind. Book it. Done. Sold. I don't care how long of a break we've had. Yeah, hopefully they do have a season and finish this one out. I I don't know what the MLB and I mean the NBA and the NHL are going to do. A couple more questions for you, Kyle. We we got seven minutes left here. What was your what is your f- biggest disappointment as a sports fan? The biggest the time you felt just crushed from sports that really affected you. Mm, there's a couple of them. Uh, the 2011 Brewers season was absolutely crushing. I really, I was bragging a lot um, that they were going to the World Series and going to win it that year, and I really thought was it was against the Cardinals, of course, and the NLCS that year. I really thought we could beat them, and that, there was just so much magic that year with Niger Morgan, and Prince Fielder, Ryan Braun was electric, and they fell up short. That was crushing, but I think my most crushing and this is crazy this is such a crazy story the, the most crushing feeling i've ever felt as a sports fan here in wisconsin is the 2014 packers when we went to seattle for the championship game and for 58 fucking minutes the packers owned that team and in the last two minutes in overtime blew it i was sitting in county jail for that <laughs> i watched that game in jail and I had bet so much food on that game. In game at halftime, people were betting me just to just to be a dick that the Packers are going to lose. And I bet my whole commissary on the Packers that game. And it was in the bag. It was in the <laughs> bag. And then the onside kick and Brandon Bostic, and then. Uh, Russell Wilson gets the two-point conversion, and then it goes to overtime, and Tremont Williams gets burnt, and it's just the whole process of it. It was so – 2014 was the Packers' year. They had so many weapons on offense. Rodgers was killing it as usual. And McCarthy, man, blew it. Yeah, Brandon Bob. That was the year – that was the the last time – I really felt that a Wisconsin team was going to win it all, you know, outside of the Bucks last year too. But uh, yeah, Brandon Bostic. There's, there's a few. Brandon Bostic. Uh, he got a lot of death threats for missing that and not letting that ball go to Jordy like he was told to. Jordy Nelson was right behind him. He was supposed to get that ball. That's what the. That's what they wrote up. Um, running out of time. Couple more questions. So we, we got your negative. Now let's get your positive. What's the greatest sports moment of your life that you remember? Uh, the 96 Super Bowl was really cool because uh, I was with my family. I was watching the game with a bunch of family friends. That was just such a good night, and it was such a cool feeling as an 11-year-old kid um, because I had just you know, really started to get the grasp of it. Um, so that was a really special thing. Um, the Super Bowl 45, my mom had died earlier that season, so seeing the Packers win a Super Bowl was really cool. Um, a really cool moment for me, considering how tough that year was for me. 
And, um, yeah, game 163 for the Brewers. I mean, I watched that game. We skipped work that day. Um, that was just so cool. And the fact that it was at Wrigley and it was just, it was so beautiful the way that whole ending played out. You know, they, they won all those games capped it off, you know, no one thought they were going to be there, they make it to 163, they win it, and, you know, it was just, it was just so magical, so, yeah, definitely, we've had, we've had some really special times here in our state, but unfortunately, they're overshadowed by a lot of bridesmaid moments, where our teams are just and they end up being bridesmaids, and it's really disappointing. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. We have had a handful of really special moments. Yeah, the two Packers Super Bowls, the Brewers playoffs, the Bucks playoffs. But it'd be nice if it wasn't just making the playoffs and getting deep in the playoffs that are the, the moments we look to. Two more questions for you, Kyle. Number one, have you learned how to eat pizza? Have I what? Have you learned how to eat pizza properly yet? <laughs> uh, I... I made a flatbread pizza the other day, and I ate it with a fork, and I chuckled because <laughs> I didn't even realize I was doing it, <laughs> and I was thinking of you guys. I made it for the boys here, and I was telling them to eat it with a fork because it was too hot. It was just funny. So, no, I'm stubborn. I don't learn. All right, one more for you. This is the one I'm, at. I'm capping it off with everybody. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Oh, creamy! Oh, for by far. I can't, I can't stand crunchy peanut butter. I think it's the absolute worst. The worst? Oh, you're crazy. You're all crazy. Yeah. Does anybody else have a question for Kyle before we go? Guess not. Guess I covered it pretty okay. well. Well, with that, I'll try not to give you guys COVID. Yeah, please don't give us COVID. Please stay quarantined. Get well. Stay healthy, and that's to everybody out there as well, to all our fans and all our listeners, all our friends out there. Please stay healthy. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Think about other people other than yourselves when you're going out. And with that 5 Tool Podcast, we are out. We love you. And don't forget, we'll be back Wednesday. And don't widen the plate.